With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Building the nation with the word of the Lord. Teaching the people the love of God. Kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, empowerment. Well, good evening, children of the Most High God. Welcome to Prayer, Praise, and the Word of God. I am your host this evening, Elder Coilette James, and I'm so grateful and so honored that you have chosen to join in with us. We have a phenomenal broadcast in store for you tonight. You know that it is always our custom to open up the broadcast in prayer, and so I ask that you would just join in with me as we go before the throne of God. Father, we just worship and adore you. We are so, so grateful to be numbered among your children. We're so grateful, Lord God, that you saw fit to give us another chance, another opportunity, O Lord God, to dine at your feet, O Lord God, to sup with you, to have koinonia with you, O God, to worship you, to pour ourselves out as worship unto you. We are so, so very grateful, Lord God, that you saw fit to adopt us into your family. You created us, O oh Lord God. You loved on us, O oh God, and then you gave us the ability to become part of your family, and we are eternally grateful for that. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us the way that you do. Now, Father, I just ask, Lord God, that your anointing would be on this broadcast, that the hearts and the minds of those that will tune in to the live edition and even those that have come back and listened to the archive, Lord God, will be blessed, O oh God, that they would be ha glory, Lord, that they would be enlightened to know their heritage, O oh God, to know, Lord God, what it is that you've called them to. So, Father God, I pray your anointing not just on myself but on my guests, O oh Lord God, and also Father God, on the, the listeners. For, Lord God, it takes your anointing upon us to receive in our hearts, to transform our minds and our thought patterns, oh, Lord God, that we may honor you with our living. So we thank you for that. Now, unto you be the glory, unto you be the honor, oh, God, as we invite you in into the midst of all that we do. In Jesus' name, to Christ's name, oh, God, we give you praise, and we decree and declare that it is. So, amen and thank God. Well, as I said, I am so, so very, very excited for the broadcast that we have going on for you uh, tonight. I have a very, very, very special guest that is joining me tonight to help to equip you with the Word of God and help you to understand really your roots and who you are because so many really, really and truly don't understand what it means to call themselves a Christian or to follow Christ. So that's the whole key for tonight's broadcast is to enlighten you, to give you a clearer understanding, to help you better understand who you are and whose you are and what God has called you to. 
So I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome my guest, Rabbi Shamil Oppenheim, who is affectionately known as Rabbi Sammy. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm glad to be here with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for agreeing to take this time. It, it's it's precious to me and it's very special to me because the topic that we're going to discuss tonight is something very near and dear to my heart. And I know that um, my listeners can attest that I, I'm a, an advocate of decreeing and declaring that Christ did not come to the earth realm to start a new religion. That was not his purpose, that was not his destiny, and that is not what he did. Yet and still, he came that we might be one with he and the Father and that we would be engrafted into the family of God. And to fully understand that, we must fully understand our heritage and what it really means to follow Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Christ, to to really understand um, our worship and to understand really what we are created for and and who we are in the Lord. So I want to open it up tonight. I have a... um, a scripture that the Lord had just really laid upon my heart. And um, I wanted to open it up with that. And then I want to let you expound a little more on the adoption phase of what I'm about to read. And, and let me just say this. Let me put this out there. And maybe this is so dear to me because I understand adoption in a way that a lot of people don't simply because I was adopted. I I don't know my biological parents, but I do know the love that the parents that I know gave me when they brought me in and they engrafted me into their family and I became a Sparks and all of the heritage that came along with being a Sparks became mine. So I fully understand that and, and maybe that's why it is so important to me that people understand what it means to be adopted into the family of God. So let me let me um, segue from that to Ephesians, the first chapter. And um, I'm going to read it um, out of the complete Jewish Bible um, because I know, I know that is the, the Bible that you use in the synagogue, and it also is a Bible that is very, very dear to my pastor, Pastor Dion Atkinson. So um, it starts off by saying from Shual, by God's will, an emissary of the Messiah, Yeshua. To God's yeah, people living in, I'm sorry. No, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, to God's people living in Ephesus, that is those who are trusting in the Messiah Yeshua. Grace to you and shalom from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Praise be Adonai, Father of the Lord Yeshua and the Messiah, who in the Messiah has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. In the Messiah, he chose us in love before the creation of the universe to be holy and without defect in his presence. He determined in advance that through Yeshua the Messiah, we would be his sons in keeping with his pleasure and purpose so that we would bring him praise, commemorative of the glory of the grace he gave us through the beloved one. 
Now, I also want to read that out of the New International Version so that people can, can kind of get a, a parallel picture of what it is that is being spoken here. It says, Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people at Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Can you just, I mean, you're a rabbi, and and if you would just, I guess to begin with, open up and kind of share how you came to know Yeshua, how you came to know Jesus the Christ as your Lord, coming from the heritage of the children of Israel. Well, I was uh, born and raised in El Paso, Texas, and uh, grew up on a ranch about uh, 60 miles southeast of El Paso, right on the Rio Grande River, which was the border uh, with uh, uh, Mexico. My father went into a business relationship at the ranch. It was called the Fort Quitman Land and Cattle Company Ranch. And it was about 3,000 acres and about three sections of land up in the mountains, 640 uh, acres of land each uh, section. And so we ran Hereford cattle, we grew alfalfa, cotton, and uh, corn. And my daddy was involved in uh, business with three of his Jewish uh, friends. And uh, I lived on the ranch from the time I was around nine until I was around 14, 15 years old. But even from the time I was, oh, five, six, seven years old, I had a sense of Jesus, of Yeshua, being with me, being there. My mother, who came from Spain, my father uh, came from Germany. And uh, she uh, came from what is uh, called the Crypto or the Murano, the Pig Jews, or uh, Jews who were secret Jews. Uh, they were they converted to Catholicism, but kept Jewish life, culture, and religion in secret in in their homes, and they kept it for you know the generations, four hundred years after the Spanish Inquisition, a lot of those Jewish people who converted to Catholicism intermarried and they did not keep Jewish identity or or heritage. So my father was from a Jewish background, but my mother came to believe that Jesus or that Yeshua was the Messiah when I was around six or seven years old. And when my uh-huh. father found out about it, he hit the ceiling. Boy, did he get um. mad and upset, and he told her, if you want to believe in this Jesus, that's up to you. I can't keep you from doing that, but you're not going to be taking my son to a church. 
Now, my mother was very submissive, but thank God she was not obedient. She kept <laughs> she kept yeah. going, you know, to a four-score church in El Paso, and oh. uh, she would sneak us to church, and she would tell us, now, don't tell your daddy where you've been. You know, this is our secret, <laughs> you know, here. So that carried over from the, the secret, the hidden uh, Jews. And uh, so I had this sense, this feeling about Jesus, but I never accepted him until I was 15, and my daddy died when I was 10 years old. Mm. And back then, there wasn't a Messianic Jewish movement. There weren't Messianic Jewish synagogues. There were two uh, Hebrew Christian works. One was in Philadelphia, and one was in the L.A. area, the Boyle Heights area, which used to be known as the Borscht Belt. It was all probably 90, 95% population of uh, Jewish uh, people. But they weren't really uh, synagogues. And so I came to faith through a four-square uh, church, and went to the Foursquare Bible College, got a degree in, in theology. Wow. And then in 1972, I went to Israel. I was 29 years old. And it was there that my Jewishness just exploded, the heritage, the identity. And it all started to really make sense. I've always loved the church. I've always loved Bible-believing fundamental, evangelical, Pentecostal-type uh, Christianity, and I have always been grateful for that heritage, for the way those branches of Christianity have preserved the Scripture and and the link with Israel and with uh, the uh, Jewish people. But when I went to Israel, I started studying about Jewishness, went to Yeshivot, uh, uh, which is, you know, s schools, uh, classes, and started learning about Jewish life, culture, the scriptures from a Jewish context. Mm -hmm. And so that's yes, been yeah. since, since around 72. I had a sister who passed away as a result of uh, breast cancer in 1991, and she had been living in Israel, and I remember her calling me from Israel. And, you know, I go by Sammy, and I also go by, you know, uh, Shmuel, which is, uh -huh. uh, you know, my legal he Hebrew name. But, you know, my uh -huh. parents always called me Sammy. It was Samuel when I was in trouble, and when I was in real bad trouble, which was most of the time it was Shmuel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she called me from Israel, and she said, Sammy, I'm finding Israeli Jews who believe in Yeshua. And it was at that time everything was exploding, you know, in me about Jewish identity and heritage. And God's not, God is not finished with the Jewish people. His covenant wow. with Israel is forever and ever. Okay. Even if Israel breaks covenant... God keeps his word. And uh -huh. so I told her, you know, her name was Ilana. You know, you're kidding. 
You're finding Israeli Jews who believe in Jesus? Yes, and there are lots of them. And uh, so the movement now has Messianic Jewish synagogues. I would say the modern Messianic Jewish movement is about 45 years old. It started in the uh, Yeshua people movement, the Jesus people movement back in around 1967 and thousands of those young people were Jewish and then around 72, 73 the formation of congregations and synagogues the numbers were enough to where there was a need to have a Messianic Jewish expression and the Messianic Jewish movement includes the Gentile includes those Christian people who would be called to it, identify with it, understand it. In the book of Romans, it speaks of them as being grafted in to the natural olive branch or the natural olive root. Amen. I I am a firm believer that if we don't embrace and investigate our heritage um, from a Jewish perspective that we miss a vital part of the blessing that God has for us. And, and when I say that, let me let me clarify that, because I, I'm a very, very big um, person in covenant. I, I believe so strongly in covenant, and I believe that, if you just embrace the blessings of God and you don't understand the covenant of God, you've missed it because the covenant covers the blessing and so much more because God's promise is so intense and so deep that it's connected to the covenant. But unless you understand the covenant he made with Abraham and the covenant that we have through Christ, then we're missing so much of what it is to follow the Lord. So you know, we, I think – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 please, go ahead, please, please, please. Yeah, I think that is so insightful and so uh, profound because there are people who take the scripture from Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. And uh, they say they pray for Israel, they understand God's purposes for Israel and for the Jew, but it's only the blessing part. What Mm -hmm. about the covenant part, the commitment? What about the relationship, standing Mm -hmm. together, being one in uh, the Lord? I think it's uh, this Wednesday that uh, we celebrate you know, the march in Washington, uh, Martin Luther Here. King Jr. Mm-hmm. brought, boy, the the life-changing message. I still listen to that sermon, and it brings me to tears. He was mm-hmm. so anointed, and Mahalia yeah. Jackson, you know, was there, and, and from what I understand, she shouted to him, Martin, what about the dream? And mm. boy, that just spurred him because uh, some leaders had encouraged him not to bring uh, the message. 
And the dream is not just uh, a fantasy. The dream is not uh, just, you know, uh, uh, I dream to be a good boy or a good man or mm-hmm. a policeman mm-hmm. or, you know, a lawyer or, or, or a doctor. It, it was a dream from God that he envisioned. And he spoke about brotherhood and content of uh, character and when we think of the blessing that the Jew is supposed to be and the blessing that Christian godly people will receive in blessing the Jew, it's a relationship, it's it's a covenant, it's a promise, it's a commitment. And that was part of the dream that I believe he envisioned and ended up dying for. You know, I think it, so many people really don't even understand what the covenant was. And the covenant, the, the importance of the covenant that God made with Abraham was that he would be our God and we would be his people. That's we right. would be his children. And that so far supersedes any little blessing that you might be going after right now. <laughs> you know, when you get when you wrap your mind and your emotions and your spirit around the totality of he will be our God and we will be his people, it, it, it just to me it, it is just mind blowing. Seriously. But until we can can get in our spirit and really understand that we've been engrafted in and are part of that covenant, we miss it. Even when Christ was here and he prayed in John 17, his prayer was, Father, make them one with us as you and I are one. That's right. It wasn't just a prayer for the children of Israel. It was for those that would believe on him. Listen, I was just reading today a, a scripture in Deuteronomy, in Hebrew, Devarim, and it's chapter 29, verse 13. But I am not making this covenant and this oath only with you, speaking to Moses and to the children of Israel. Rather, I am making it both with him who is standing here with us today before the Lord our God and also with him who is not here with us today. And there were Egyptians who came out of the land of Egypt with the Jews, saying, we know that God is with you. We want to go with you. And God said to them, Through Moses, this covenant, this promise, this commitment, this faith is not only for Israel, but it is for you, and this will be a covenant forever. And then he says, for you know how we lived in the land of Egypt. One of the things that black people, African American people, and Jews have together in common, and I've I've spoken in your uh, church, is we've both both been slaves. And how we came directly through the nations, you 
passed through. You saw their idols, their detestable things, and those Egyptians recognized it was idolatry, it was detestable, and they wanted to join Israel and to be part of the covenant. And God welcomed them in. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I lead a Messianic Jewish synagogue. And, uh, you know, Lev Hashem, which means heart of the name of God. And we have Jews, Gentiles, Hispanics, people from Peru, Colombia, El Salvador. We have African-American people. We have Korean uh, people. We've had uh, a couple of Japanese uh, people. We have white people. It's like in this Messianic Jewish movement, in this congregation, the mechitza, the middle wall of partition that separates not only men and women in Orthodox Jewish, uh, uh, in Orthodox Judaism, that mechitza is a wall or a separation between men and women. That way, uh, women aren't telling men you forgot to throw out the trash, you know, during mm-hmm. during the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the, the separation is so that men will focus on God and 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 women will let them focus on God and they'll be able to focus uh, on God. But that mechitza is also a separation between Jew and Gentile between those uh, Gentiles who are believers, who have an understanding of what covenant and promise, and God does not break his word. If he breaks his promise with Israel, then he can break his promise with the church, you know, too. Yes. Yes. And uh, But he is faithful to his word, and therefore Jew and Gentile should be one in the Lord. So when the when the curtain was rent from that separated the outer court and the inner court and the holies of holies, it wasn't just that access to get into the presence of God. It was also for the camaraderie or the oneness, the unity in brotherhood. Yeah, it was it was torn in two, so that the rest of the nations would not be kept from the presence of God. You know, as big and as vast, as mighty as God is, he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, he is uh, omnipresent, he is all uh, knowledge. And uh, as vast and as big as he is as creator, he still localizes himself to live in the heart of a Jew, the heart the heart of that little nation called Israel, and he chooses to live in your heart, in my heart, and I use the word heart because it really means our life, our spirit, our soul, our our body, as big and vast as he is as creator, he still chooses to live in our lives. And when Jesus 
was the fulfillment in that that curtain of separation was torn. Now it meant Jew and Gentile and everyone who would believe and confess him would be saved. Mm. I remember an incident that um, happened with me several years ago. I was living in Florida at the time, and it was almost Christmas time, and I had gotten pulled over by this police officer. And, and people that know me know I kind of have a heavy foot. But this particular day, I was not speeding. I really was not speeding. But I got pulled over by uh-huh. this police officer. And as he was trying to write me this ticket, he couldn't even tell me how fast I was going. It was just for excessive speed, which is, you know, I'm like, okay, you didn't even clock me. But anyhow, so as he was filling out the ticket, he was trying to read my license plate. And he, my license plate was G-S-U-S-N-M-E. And he said, what does your license plate say? Guess you've seen me? And I said, no, it says Jesus in me. Beautiful. And he said, oh, really? So then he starts the conversation, and he says this to me. He says, well, at least I can wish you Merry Christmas because I can't say that to everybody. And I looked at him, and I said, excuse me? And he was making a reference to um, the Jewish population of South Florida. Oh, And he yeah. was doing it in a derogatory manner, though. It wasn't like, you know, um, because of how they worship or whatever. He was a Christian, and he thought it his place to speak ill of the Jewish community because he was a Christian. And I remember saying to him, I said, you need to go back, and you need, first of all, you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth. He looked at me, and I said, secondly, you need to go back and read Romans. Read Romans 8 through 12, okay? That's and get right. it in yeah. your spirit. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've missed it here. And he like, it was like the light bulb went off, and I started explaining it to him and saying, you know, we were, they were, the, the Jewish um, people were just kind of put in a slumber for a period of time just so that we could get in. Okay, yeah, but never yeah. forget and never think that they're not still God's people. And it was just, it was amazing to me the comment that he made. This was somebody, and I knew when we started with the conversation, I knew I was like, oh, okay, God, this wasn't about me speeding because I knew I wasn't speeding. This was so that I could shed some light into this individual's life to understand you you don't even know the God in whom you say you serve because you don't know who His people. Are. Yeah, did, and, did, but it, it resonated in me. Go ahead. He listened. He listened. He actually told me how to beat my ticket afterwards because he had always written it and given it to me. But he thanked me. He did because he was just going on what he had heard somebody else say. And that's why the word teaches us to study to show ourselves approved a workman that need not be ashamed to rightly divide the word of God. If we just listen to what everybody else says and we don't investigate the word for ourselves, then we can be we can follow these false doctrines and false teachings and think them to be true. I hope he tore up that ticket. He didn't tear it up, but he did tell me what to do so I wouldn't have a big fine. <laughs> well, good, good. 
Good. That was interesting. But like I said, yeah. it just it stuck with me because I thought, it made me think, how many other people are walking in darkness out there because they really don't understand? They don't know. It's if you read, if you study your word, and you st- Christ went to the synagogues, he taught in the synagogue. He never, he never started a new church. He never started new denominations. That was not his purpose. That's that right. That was not his call. He came that we once again could have fellowship with the Father. And until we can get an understanding that this whole situation is about relationship and not about religion, then again, we're missing. We're missing the biggest part of serving God. Yeah, that is it, that is not so, about tradition. Go ahead. Yeah, but, yeah and you know, I, I was also reading uh, in an, another scripture. It was in the New Covenant that uh, you know, what about Jewish people who keep tradition? They keep the law, and what about those? Uh, Gentile people who don't keep the law, who don't keep uh, 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 Jewish uh, tr- uh, tradition, and yet uh, the Jewish people who keep the law are outside the covenant because they only keep it out of legalism, mm-hmm. they only keep mm-hmm. it out of tradition, and yet the Gentile who believes he is inside the covenant of the salvation of God. Why? Because of his faith. And then in the book of James, it speaks faith without works, you know, is dead. Yeah. And there's there's the balance. You know, first it's your faith. The motivation to live a godly and a holy life is out of love and grace. But if you're just keeping it out of tradition and out of legalism, then where is really your salvation? It's not there. It's null and void. It really is. Yeah. You just, yeah. you know, you, you, you're so steeped in tradition. And one thing that religion and tradition will cause you to do, it'll cause you to see what God has done, but it'll cause you to miss what God is doing. Yeah. You're so wrapped up and tied up in the past, and God is a forward-moving God. It's like, you know, a minute ago, I can't go back and repeat. I have to keep my eyes focused forward on, okay, God, where are you leading me next? I can't dwell here. I can't stay in the past. I have to go forward. And That's religion right. will keep you tied up and bound up uh-huh. so that you can't move forward. You can't embrace what God is doing in this hour. If we can't embrace the spirit of God that is flowing through us, then we can't em- truly embrace God. That is, because yeah, it's his that spirit is, that leads. That is so so true. Yeah, listen, you, are you still part of uh, Pastor Ad- Adkins Church? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's my spiritual father. He will always yeah. be. I, I've traveled... Um, the country, I've lived in many different states and what have you, but he will always be my spiritual father. He is, um, I will celebrate 25 years in the faith come September next month. 
And it was in Bethany that I I got saved. It was in Bethany that I was ordained in the ministry. He is truly here. I tell people, I was like, he paid the cost to be called my spiritual father because he had to walk with me through those years, <laughs> the years yeah. of the rebellion, the years of trying to come out of the mentality of the street life, all of those different things he had to walk with me in. And that's something else that people don't understand is the difference in a spiritual parent, a spiritual father, and just having a pastor. You know, yeah, I mean, there's right. a lot of shepherds out there. There's a lot of pastors and what have you. And I'm not taking anything from them. They're good. I've set up under different pastors over the years because of living in different states. But I only have one spiritual father. Yeah. You know, only one, because that's the one that labored with me and walked with me and still, you know, still labors in ministry with me to make sure that I am the woman of God that God has called me to be. You know, well, to that keep is, me on that straight and narrow. Yeah, that is so nice to hear uh a sister speaking that way of her uh, pastor. Be sure and give them my love and regards, okay? I sure will. I sure, sure will. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Rabbi, is the high holy days that are coming up um, very quickly. They're just right around the corner. And the importance of them, because even Christ, even in his final hours, he celebrated the Feast of Passover, you know, these were still these are our feasts and festivals that God Himself, Father God, put into place and said that they should always be celebrated. This is not just a Jewish holiday, but this is God's holiday. So if you could kind of explain what we're coming into with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and coming out of the month of um Elu, if I'm pronouncing that right. That's the right. month of yeah. repentance and and preparation for the High Holy Days. Touch on that for us, please. Uh, in Colossians 2.16 and 17, it says, So don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating and drinking or in regard to a Jewish festival or Rosh Chodesh, which is the festival of the new moon that's found in Psalms uh, either 80 or 81, or the Shabbat. These are a shadow of things that are coming, but the body is of the Messiah. And the observance of the festivals, the biblical festivals, and you are so right, they're not just the Jewish festivals. They're God's festivals. They are God's appointed times. And the word appointed times is mo'edim, mo'ed, and the appointed times of uh, God. And when we celebrate these festivals, they are a shadow of things to come. Or in other words, they're prophetic, but they're not just prophetic future. They're a reminder of what God has done for us and how Jesus fulfilled and completed those festivals and how as we uh how as we observe them and we adjust our schedule to those bible festivals 
we are also pointed to who Jesus is. He fulfills the festivals. They are prophetic. They are signs of his return. And these Bible festivals are for us today about, you know, the only festivals that a lot of Christian, not all Christian people, but a lot of Christians celebrate would be Easter and and Christmas. In Mm -hmm. Judaism, a lot of Jewish people only celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which originally literally means Yom Teruah, the sounding of the ram's horn, the sounding of the shofar, or the festival of trumpets. Several hundred years ago, it was also changed to include uh, Israel's civil New Year, which is a biblical celebration as well, and there certainly is biblical basis. And so we we will be celebrating it on September the fourth, Wednesday night. That's in accordance with with the uh, Hebrew calendar. It's it's not the the solar; it's the lunar uh, calendar. And then ten days later is Yom Kippur, which is Day of Atonement, and that is a picture of Jesus being that perfect priest, that perfect prophet, that perfect sacrifice. And it is a reminder every year that we celebrate it until he comes back again. And who knows how we'll be celebrating, because these biblical festivals, the intimation is they are forever and ever. They are eternal, God's word is forever and ever and eternal. And so as we celebrate these festivals, there are a reminder that our sins are forgiven, that as we look uh, on the past year, uh, we think of, are there sins that I committed that, you know, I haven't resolved, repented of, made right with other people, or even made right with God? So this is a time of year that Jewish people think about sin most of the most of the time. You know, Christian people, Jewish people don't think about sin for the past year, but at Rosh Hashanah, and it means to return, to repent, to be renewed. And then Yom Kippur has to do with that final atonement. It's a day of fasting and prayer. And But it's also a reminder that as we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days in between Yom Kippur, that it is a reminder, listen, God willing, if he gives us life, and if the Messiah doesn't come, you, you better be living for God every day. Make it, you know, through the rest of the year. Don't just repent of your sins once a year. Amen. That's important. Yeah. So we'll celebrate that at uh, Alev Hashem, and then Friday and Saturday, uh, after September uh, the the 4th, Wednesday night, we'll have a Rosh Hashanah Festival of Trumpets service Friday night and Saturday morning. 
We're going to have a, a picnic. We'll cast bread into the water, like it says in Micah, casting your bread upon the water. And that's a symbol of what God has done for us in heaven. He not only has forgiven our sins, he has removed our sins. They're buried in the sea of his forgetfulness. And so we uh, throw bread into the water, and that's a symbol of how the waters move in a way where the bread never comes back to us or the fish or the turtles, you know, eat the bread. And you'll never see the bread. And it's a symbol of the way God removes our sin from our lives. So these are biblical. People, people get confused with the law and these festivals because, um, and I've heard this from Christians that, you know, well, we're no longer under the law, so we don't celebrate this. And I think it's really important to understand and recognize this has nothing to do with the law. <laughs> these are festivals that God put in place, you know, that we celebrate his goodness and what he has done for us. It has absolutely nothing to do with the law. At least that's my interpretation of it. Am I incorrect or well, you know, we're not under the law of legalism. We're not under the law of the flesh. We're not under the law of condemnation. But we're right. still, we're still, in a sense, under God's laws, and and, and that is sanctification. That's living okay. a separated, yeah. a godly uh, a life. That's living mm-hmm. according to God's uh, God's word, and. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Jesus said, you know, this law will not pass away until heaven and earth pass away. And heaven and earth are not going to pass away because, you know, the new Jerusalem will be coming down, you know, uh, to the uh, the earth. But, uh, yeah, we're still under the law of the Spirit. We're under the law of love. We're under the law of grace. Mm-hmm. And the Amen. motivation Amen. the motivation is freedom. Freedom, love and grace. Amen. This what explain just a little more the significance of coming into the new year and, and I know there are certain traditions that go along with Rosh Hashanah, like with the, the apple and the honey and different things like that. What is the significance of that? Of the oh. celebration of the new year? Yeah, after the the service, we'll uh, serve uh, apples or sweet foods and and honey, and and we especially want to give them, you know, to uh, children, not to overdo it, but so that they will taste and see that God's word is sweet. You know, it's it's uh, like a dessert, and when you believe and you live for Him, it's as sweet as honey. And because apples are a staple and they're found all over the world, and it's a healthy, it's a healthy fruit. It's healthy. It keeps your conscience clear and clean. It keeps you healthy physically and mentally clear when you live for God. It's when we don't live for God that we're troubled mentally, emotionally, even physically, there can be consequences. So the purpose of giving that honey, and you know, and too much honey can make you sick. 
you know, too. Mm -hmm. can be too Mm -hmm. sweet. And so if our lives are just full of grace, where is God's justice? Where is God's judgment? So there's a, a balance of it. And the new year gives us that time to not only repent to God, but to repent with other people, not just to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for what I said to you or about you, I'm sorry for hurting you, but will you forgive me? Because of the mm-hmm. forgiveness is what breaks the chain, the bondage. Um, speaking of forgiveness, I know that the culture was prior to Christ coming to the earth that they had an escape goat, which is where that term comes from that they would bound up with what would represent sin at that time. Is that correct? Yeah, the high priest would take uh, two goats. One of the goats would be for the sacrifice, and the other goat, the priest would put his hands on the head of the goat, confess his sins, confess the sins of his family, and confess the sins of Israel. And then he would send the goat off into the wilderness or out into the desert. And the goat would never be seen or found. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't even look for it. But the goat would not even come back, you know, to the people. And there again, it's a a picture of Jesus. We confess our sins to him, and he takes our sins, And on that cross, on that execution stake, he sheds his blood. But his sacrifice is not accepted in heaven until after the resurrection because God is not a God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father making intercession, praying for you and for me. And he has taken our sins, and they are removed, just like the priest confesses the sin over the goat, and the goat goes away. Maybe he jumps off a cliff and and, and he dies. You know, he's dead. But in Jesus, the sacrifice was not only unto death, but it was also unto life. Yes. Amen. Amen. Which is why he told Mary not to touch him yet, because he had not yet ascended to his father. Right, right. In Jewish life and culture, you're not supposed to touch, you know, a, a dead body. You are rendered unclean for a period of, say, uh, 12 to 24 uh, hours. It, it's a ritual. Thing. It's not that you're unclean, you know, it's just a, a tradition, a ceremonial, you know, uh, thing. And then you immerse yourself. You immerse yourself in water because baptism is like a purification. Mm-hmm. Amen. It is so amazing how throughout the scripture everything points to the coming of Christ and then When the Messiah came, he was the complete embodiment and the fulfillment of all that had been pointed towards. Um, It is just amazing to me how 
God just set everything in motion to point to Christ, and since that time, how we are drawn to that love that God used in Christ to draw us to Him. It's just, it, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I just, um, I love to to hear and to learn the more of what Christ came to do, more importantly, what he is yet still doing in and through our lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. It is amazing to me. Well, I'm not sure if we have anyone that has questions. We have listeners on the line um, in the chat room. If you have any questions, we have just a few minutes. We kind of went over our little 15 minutes thing that we were going to open up the lines, but if you have any questions, if you want to ask Rabbi Sammy anything, now would be the time to do it. Um, this is, this. I, I just love broadcasts like this. I really, really do. Like I said, I love to open it up and to make sure that we get a firm foundation of really, really who we are and and the fact that our lineage is so intertwined because, as the scripture said that I first read at the beginning of the the program in Ephesians 1, that we have been adopted into the family of God. If we just really understand that, we are one, we are brothers with the children of Israel. You know, God engrafted us into his chosen people, and I I just love that. I, I just it is amazing to me. Listen, Let I don't know I don't know if I don't know if uh, if anyone is is uh, on the line, but I have loved boy this it's almost an hour and it has gone by so quickly and I just want to tell you I I love you. I think you are such a classy uh, woman of God and God continue to bless and use you and I just Feel and sense of that oneness in Yeshua with you. And I have loved uh, this hour, too. Amen. I, I'm so grateful to you for agreeing. This is the second time we've done this. We did it a couple of years ago. And, and I'm just I'm so grateful to you for opening up yourself. And, you know, we will be at Liv Hashem on the 4th. You know that, right? <laughs> it's, it's become tradition now that we come and we celebrate Rosh Hashanah there with you guys. Um, oh, we we are blessed. We, we are honored, you know, when you all are able to come. Always. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you something in the the final few minutes, and then I would love for you to just pray your pray a, a blessing over my audience. Since no one wants to ask a question, I think everybody's just kind of trying to take everything in and digest what they're hearing. But um, coming from a Jewish perspective, I, I know that. Uh, Christians kind of, you know, as we've talked throughout the broadcast, they're unsure of um, the connection and the the with with our Jewish brothers just being Christians or naming the name of Christ. What is the flip side of that? Coming from the background of being um, a child of Israel, is there that same confusion on the flip side as to how we fit in as brothers for the Messianic Jew? I'm not talking about for those that haven't accepted Christ as a Messiah, but from the the perspective of the Messianic movement, is there that confusion in there as well? 
You know, uh, I was talking to a good uh, a friend of mine, and, and he was uh, sharing uh, with me. You know, I've been in this Messianic uh, Jewish movement for about 40 years, and he had been in the movement for about 50 years. I have a son. He has a son. And our children have grown up, you know, in this movement. But when we came into it, it was like we were being born uh, again. There was uh, such a renewal, such a change, salvation. And it seems like, you know, the young people who have been part of this movement, boy, they really need that experience to be full of God's uh, spirit. And and then, you know, like with me, I have a Jewish family, and boy, there was a social, a familial situation because all of my family on 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 you know my 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 Jewish family uh, all of them uh said they said two things uh we will consider you to be non-existent and and wow. and I think one of the most hurtful things would you know if you have a loved one and to regard them or to think of them as if they don't exist. Or they would speak to me if there was a social situation, but no relationship. None of them really know my son, don't want to know him. At least most of them, you know, have have said that. And there is the confusion, if as a Jew I accept Jesus, do I become a Christian? And like you so eloquently put it, when Jesus came, he did not come to start, you know, a different religion, two different religions. He came to fulfill and to complete. So there's that kind of a confusion. I hope I'm answering your question in the way that that you put it. And so there are some Jewish people that would say, no, I can't accept Jesus, the the social sacrifice would be too much. The familial sacrifice would be too much. The rejection of my family. Well, if he's really wow. the Messiah, you know, he's worth it. And uh, I've yeah. been a believer for more than 50 years uh, now. And as much as I love and miss, and it still hurts me about my family. I would not deny or reject, and I would always consider to my dying day that it has been worth it to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. You know, and I'm sure our my Christian brothers and sisters never consider what it is like on the flip side, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, Seriously, that's that is amazing. That's an amazing testimony. I thank God for your resolve and your strength in the Lord because you have truly been a blessing to many um because of your stand in Christ and because of your openness. You are one of the the few rabbis that I've encountered in the faith that are open. You you come out to the, the Christian churches, you'll teach in them, you'll um you'll share. You know, you'll share culture, and we need that. We need to learn of our roots. It, it's vitally important. So I, I wholeheartedly 
appreciate you. And what I would really ask that you would do at this hour is to um, pronounce the, the blessing over over my audience. And and um, as only how much time? Do. How much time do we have? You take your time. I mean, we are we're down to the last minute of the broadcast, but it will continue to record. So take your time, um, and those that will come back and listen to the archives will still hear the totality of what it is that you do. Okay. Yevarechecha Donai v'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha, v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his face upon you, and may he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom. And on Elder Coilette, O oh God, continue to bless her and use her and people in the listening audience and her church and pastors your blessing for our mind, our spirit, our soul, and our bodies in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so very much. I so appreciate you, Rabbi Sammy. I really, really do. I know my audience does, and they've had a wonderful time listening. They've been kind of chatting back and forth. But um, I'm so grateful to you, and I I esteem everyone that has tuned in to invite your friends and and your church members and what have you to to come back, listen to the archive of the broadcast, because it will bless them. It is so vitally important that we understand our heritage and our roots and, and our covenant with God. And until you can understand the truth and the totality of your heritage, you will not fully be able to embrace the covenant that God has offered unto us. He has cut covenant with us, and it is so far greater than just a, a, a small little blessing. It is, it is unbelievable. That's right, and, and you know, just like at your church, everyone is welcome, so everyone would be welcome to join us at Lev Hashem too. Amen. Amen. Give your give the address and what have you, because I really encourage people come out and enjoy Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish tradition of it being celebrated. You will be blessed. The praise, the worship, the dance. It is so. It's just such an awesome feeling of God, and to hear the shofar sounded. Is it ninety nine times throughout the service? How? How? Am I right? Or a hundred? One hundred times. One hundred times. One hundred times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One hundred times. It's amazing. It is just amazing. And you really, really, I'm telling you people, you can feel the presence of God just descend upon the people. It is incredible. It is incredible. So please give your address and your information so that those that are at least in the Las Vegas area can come and can join in and be a part of the festivities. That's great. Thirty six. 46 North Rancho Drive, 89130, and it's in the Rancho uh, business, uh, the the Rancho Gowan Business Park. And you can look us up on the web, levhashem.org. Amen. 
Amen. And I your the link to Lev Hashem is actually on my broadcast page on Block uh Blog Talk Radio for this broadcast. I have it um actually there linked to the broadcast. So you guys can go on my page and click the link and, and read all about Rabbi Sammy and Lev Hashem. Thank you so so much again, Rabbi. I give God all the glory and the honor for what you have shared today. You have truly been a blessing, and thank you so much for the blessing, for pronouncing the blessing on myself and my listeners. I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you. I'm honored and blessed to be with you. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, that will conclude our show for this evening. Tune in next Monday evening, 5 o'clock Pacific. Um, actually, yes, yes, and we're going to have an awesome time. We're going to have some more guests because we're going to be conducting a shut-in at New Bethany next week. So tune in, and we'll have some awesome prayer, praise, and the word of God. God bless you all. Have a phenomenal week in the Lord. God bless. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.